the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 253 Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Up, my friends. This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analyst is work you can find over at MMA Junkie as well as LineMovement.com. But on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully, it's before the fight, because I'm actually recording it on a Thursday night. What do you know? West Coast Pacific time, although we are no longer in Vegas. That's right. It's going to be UFC 253. We'll be breaking down from top to bottom, which takes place in Abu Dhabi. As per usual, check the show notes, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for those five-star ratings. Don't be afraid to leave a review there. Or if you're listening to the YouTube version, which should be up by Friday for sure, give the video a like and uh, subscribe to the channel, Daniel Tom MMA. Help that measly subscriber count. I appreciate But yes, check the show notes with all the breakdown shows. I always put it in the show notes where the breakdown starts. I will go from top to bottom. And if you want to skip ahead even further and hear me even less, no foul. I don't blame you one bit. You can always go to the very end because I will always recap the picks and plays from top to bottom as well. Uh, right there for you. Uh, that being said, recording this a little earlier, not too many notes to get off the top. So I think it's going to be fairly straightforward. Going to spend the first half of the show. Um, or first part of the show, it won't be a half, but you recapping UFC Vegas 11, uh, UFC Woodley Covington, UFC Fight Night 178, UFC on ESPN Plus 36. It took place last weekend. We'll recap that quickly and not dig into all the fun, uh, fun in air quotes, uh, drama, um, that, uh, ensued after. I mean, I'll, I will give you my opinion on that and not that. You guys probably already know where I stand, but yeah, this isn't this show, and we're we're not really gonna be getting too lost in the, the those topics. There, we're gonna try to keep this all to the breaking down MMA, and we will be doing um have other shows for that. Hopefully, we'll get back to some more top five shows. Um, doing an interview tomorrow morning. Actually, another reason why I'm getting this done on Thursday. Um, interviewing a director of a documentary coming out, a UFC Origins doc. So uh, kind of like I promised you, doing more of those kinds of things as well. And uh, some of y'all were kind enough to have me on uh, your show. So thank you very much. And, you know, Dan Tom. Dan Tom is, whoa, when it comes to getting the screen of that. Um, but uh, that'll be a separate episode. And let me know if you guys want me to do an after party. I know a lot of people do uh, after shows. Uh, people I like, people I respect, or, or people that are just plain... Uh, uh, that I respect their work, but they're just you know playing a uh, b- bigger than me, and they're gonna draw a big audience. But I'm not gonna let that deter me because um, yeah, I gotta do the after party show sometime, right? I did come up, 
you know, this whole podcast was started off after party editions, recap editions. Don't go back and listen to that episode. Jesus Christ. Um, but, uh, yeah, thinking about doing another one of those, um, you know, Dan Tommy's a contrarian. He doesn't like to oversaturate the scene. But, yeah, I might do one Saturday night. So hit me up at Dan Tom MMA. Let me know. And uh, make sure you follow the podcast at the PYN Podcast on all social platforms. It really does help out a lot, folks. And uh, I don't spam your feed. Uh, again, if you want to support this show, that is free. We'll be staying free. You can go to MixedMarshallAnalyst.com, the host of this here program. And uh, you can find, oh, maybe you have to toggle to the right, depending on your mobile browser. Mobile! Uh, but you can see the Amazon and Onnit click-throughs right there if you want to click through and do some shopping at no extra cost, just an extra click. And a small percentage of your sale does go back here to the podcast. Or use the PayPal option if you're feeling quite so generous. Uh, again, I guarantee you. Things do go. I actually did some more work to the studio. I got a TV on the cheap because I was already buying uh, one for mi madre for her birthday. Blessed is she. Uh, and I'm like, you know what? I, I need a small one for myself. And uh, we got one in for the studio. Which will come in handy if I do those movie commentaries I've been talking about. Um, got a little cheap little. <laughs> it is both cheap and little, but it'll do the trick. It's a nice little couch bed in there. So yeah, man, the uh, the old studio's coming in full effect. We got the Fight Island drop dusted back off for this this uh, this week and the next coming weeks, and uh, yeah, yeah, we'll 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 work toward uh, you know uh, better mics, cameras, and then streaming platforms uh, all down the road. But this is more than I could ask for or dream of now. So uh, I'm making do uh, for you and thank you specifically. So on with the show. Five minutes in already. Jesus Christ, Dan. UFC on Vegas 11 happened. Colby Covington defeated Tyron Woodley. Tyron, uh, which wasn't too much of a, a surprise for me and many. Um, fifth round TKO. The old rib there. The rib is tricky, man. It'll pop doing things. Um, I don't know what much Woodley's got left, but he's got bills to pay. So he's uh, he's probably going to keep fighting. So ugh. tough to tough to see, but who are we? You know, who who is me? Donald Cerrone versus Nico Price is declared a majority draw. Um, and, yeah, I guess you got no issue with that. You know, with the uh, point getting taken away from Nico Price, caused it himself. He was happy with the draw nonetheless. Weird but emotional and endearing nonetheless, which is kind of Nico Price in a nutshell, so I guess we shouldn't be surprised. But that, that post-fight interaction between the two. Um, and, but, yeah, man, I think, like I said, I think Cerrone, you know, uh, again, uh, Shout-outs to the TSN MMA show. Bazooka Joe Valtellini was talking about, like, his shoulder, his gait. You can kind of see these movements in fighters. Um, I thought I saw it, too. So to hear a much more <laughs> a much more uh, qualified person like Joe Valtellini uh, weigh in um, definitely carries a lot of weight for me. So, uh, and we I think we saw more of that with Cerrone. So we'll see where the cowboy goes now, which is kind of like five losses pretty much. Uh, Hazmat Chimaev defeated GM3. Man, took it to Koopa Troopa, my favorite. G- Gerald, man, I love Gerald. Uh, really rough. Hope you're okay, Gerald. And, uh, you know, uh, that's tough, man, with all the, the spotlight. You know, he, he played it right. He did what he had to do. It was, you know, disrespect. And uh, MMA's cruel, and so is, and life ain't fair, and that's what happens. But I always root for guys like GM3 who are just tough, good dudes. And uh, but like I also said, upon his arrival, Azmat Chimaev is gonna be a guy people get excited about. I didn't expect this much. I will be honest. I thought he might get a 
quote-unquote more normal rise, but but that is it, and here we are. Johnny Walker defeated Ryan Spann uh, via first-round TKO. Uh, I admit when I was wrong, and uh, I think I admitted I was wrong twice on this one, not just on the pick, but I was also wrong on my reason for the pick, saying that Spann's grappling propensities may actually help him in this fight, and it actually didn't. He rocked Walker twice, and then uh, was shooting for takedowns now, of course, people pointed out Span was probably rocked himself that second time around uh but he also has been finished from spots like that before so tough you know ironic that johnny walker got hit by the old conor mcgregor elbows with uh, john cavanaugh in his corner uh, of course i retweeted that from a gentleman's account i can't remember who it was but it was retweeted by a shout out at lord honky humongous hopefully you're safe buddy um but someone referenced it as well as conor mcgregor elbows and something that i've been pointing out as well for a couple years now, uh, is that uh, Conor McGregor um, actually scored the Travis Brown elbows knockout in 2012, a year before Travis scored his first of pair in the UFC. Of course, McGregor did it in Cage Warriors, um, if you were paying attention or went back to watch. So that's where that reference comes from. Kenzie Dern, my Kenzie, oh my Kenzie, uh, defeated... Uh, Handa Mar- she's Canadian, Dan, Randa Marcos, uh, via submission armbar. I mean, I am so terrible with uh, the neckies as far as awards. And, uh, you know, again, this is when you, when, it, when a lunatic runs the asylum and, you, you know, I don't have a co-host. Uh, I don't really get too consistent with my award shows. And, uh, you know, that and Dan, you know, just being weird about wanting to ask people to come on, even friends and former co-hosts of the show, because I always feel like I'm bothering people when I'm not. But uh, you know who does do a good at award show? Long-winded. I had to kick myself on the way to make my point there. But, uh, of course, Heavy Hands, who I always shout on this podcast, um, they do, like, some necky awards. And I know they have, like, one for Fight IQ. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to try to remember it. But, like, I feel like everyone on this card was, like, gunning for that awards. Like, they, these guys are – everyone that fought on this card were, like, Heavy Hands listeners. are like, we – we need to get this award. This let's lock it down. And uh, Random Marcos did her best by jumping right into their guard. Um, Kevin Holland defeated Darren Stewart via split decision. We got away with one, folks. We got away with one here. I'll take it. But I'll tell you what. Um, it's bad. Both a. It's bad to see Kevin Holland gas late like that. Um, you know, he was a fighter. And, me and and many. So in my defense, I wasn't you know on an island with this. I thought he was going to do much better in this spot with this kind of matchup. However. On the flip side, although we should remember that for Holland next time because I'm not going to be as confident in him next time. I'm also not going to be confident as I keep targeting this dude, poor guy Darren Stewart, because he's he's getting better, man. And he really showed a lot, man. He showed that he was not only you know not going to mentally falter like he may or may not have been doing in the past, but, man, he came mentally strong, pouring it on in the third round and uh, looking like a fucking snake there. Do I look like a snake? And uh, as John Anik says, just let me look like that for a day. Um, so I'll take it, but uh, much respect to Darren Stewart, man. Um, let's just say I'll, I'll take it, and I'm, I'm going to learn my lesson from this one. David Dvorak defeated Jordan Espinosa via unanimous decision 37, 27 times 3. Um, I'm glad that Espinosa got bet heavy as a dog, and kept, which kept me away because I would have lost money on this one. I, pick, I picked Espinosa. Um, I wasn't uber confident in it because I like technical guys like Dvorak, and I could see a path for him upsetting like he did. However, I'm not playing revisionist history or going to pretend that is the most accurate of reads because 
let's be honest, Espinosa was kind of faltering mentally in there. He was checked out after round one. That's not a great sign um, at all. Uh, not not going to be a consistent guy that you can really probably put your money on in the future. Wishing Espinosa the best, not trying to condemn him or trying to hammer any nails in the proverbial coffin. But, but again, we have to be honest, right, and critical. These are signs to watch for. Uh, Walt Goggins uh, defeated Mirsad Bekhtiyar. That's Damon Jackson uh, from the Shield there. Uh, defeated Mirsad Bekhtiyar via sub guillotine. Um, yeah, man, this is uh, this is another one. Even though I picked it wrong, I kind of I guess called it on the Twitter, and, and we'll talk about the one I was getting credit for, which I still feel y'all were too kind because again, I, I picked the wrong side here. Um. But yeah, this was a surprising one, uh, especially I can't butt my chest on this one uh, in any way because I said here on this podcast, Bechtick should roll. Um, this should be a fight where he should be able to stand with. And this is just, again, going for the bad fight IQ award, playing into all his worst things from gassing to just playing right into a guy's game, like all the things you should have learned before. It was a really bad showing from Bechtick. And uh, I didn't like that. I didn't like the gas tank. I didn't like the tactical choices. And something I didn't really notice, but I think it was shouts to Shaq from Half the Battle saying it. And I, I noticed it this time around. Man, Bektich looks slim and uh, trim, and that's not a bad thing. I definitely could use it myself. Um, you know, uh, Mike Dulce has been great to me, friends with him on Twitter, interviewed him before. Great, great guy. You know I got love for Jersey. Um, but, um, so I don't want to, uh, you know, talk badly about his dude here, but again, I gotta be honest, folks, right? I gotta be honest and call things for what they were. And, uh, it's nothing that's Mike, Mike Dulce's fault, by the way. I don't know why I bring him up, but like, yeah, back dick look just, I don't know, man. I mean, boy, you know, I don't blame anybody who was high on him. Um, but, you know, I, I was still waiting to be sold, and, and, and I never got there, and, and I guess time time, time tells all, so we'll see. Mara Buena Silva uh, came through on a, on a parley I did. Uh, so, so that was nice. Uh, over Mara Romero Borella via sub. I mean, again, another bad IQ hanging out in what was a corner lock, one of my favorite kind of high guards. It's like a double triangle armbar threat there. And... Uh, Buena Silva was allowed to have it. Jessica Rose Clark came through, uh, showing better takedown defense than what we could have really have known. That was the, the one danger here. But, again, against a contender series fighter who I graded as a C, and you know how kind Dan Tom is with the grades, this just seemed like a spot where Clark was going to roll. So even at minus 230, I was on it all day. And thank God because uh, we went 8-5 over one in picks, 1-1 one one in straight plays, 0-4 in props, uh, which hurt, but 1-0 in a big parlay. Plus, I did the uh, added Mara Branisova and layered it on fight day, and and um, that did me well. Although, I had to retract all my money because I was late to the party at the f uh, five dimes closure. Um, so now I have to dust off an old account with a place I don't want to mention because I don't know if I'm going to stick with them. I'm remembering why I stopped using them. So, folks, hit up your boy Dan Tom with your recommendations for houses, where to put my monies um, at while I wait for it to come in. Checks in the mail. Uh, all right, and then we had Derek Miner, Miner uh, defeat TJ Laramie via sub-guillotine. Again, this is the one I was getting love for. Thank you, guys. Thank you, John Anik. That was... 
you know, I don't really care about the tweets on the broadcast. I'm not like all crazy about that as well, like a lot of you guys are. And you know Dan Tom, I'm, I'll play things down, but I gotta admit it was pretty freaking cool uh, to hear that, especially from a guy I respect so much and and uh, really respect just for since ESPN days um, in Anik. Um, but that being said, I, I I picked you know I picked Laramie to win here, um, uh, so I I can't really be bumping my chest here, folks. But I just wanted to share my appreciations, I guess. But that being said, not bumping the chest, I did say on the podcast and in the tweet cited that. Um, this just feels like definitely a, a parlay buster trap. You know, uh, Laramie safety valve was the clinch there, and that's going to be able to lead to guillotines and what exactly happened. You saw Minner setting it up too. He had the one hand under. He needed the second grip, but he couldn't go for it straight because it would be too obvious. So he just kept punching his ribs, punching his ribs, punching his ribs, waiting for Laramie to move. And as soon as Laramie moved, he locked it up. I mean, it was clear as freaking day. I mean... Hopefully Laramie, you know, it's like I was, it's like weird. I was like, he seemed to take it almost too well, like Nico Pricewell on Twitter right after. He's like, oh, mistakes are made. And I'm like, that's a really bad one, though, even though he didn't get knocked out and even though he's young. Um, but then again, you know, the Internet being the Internet, people come at him and probably like ridiculously rude to the poor kid. And, uh, you know, he's coming out there with other fighters just talking about how, uh, how brutal some of y'all can be in there, the MMA community. Uh, not no one listens to this podcast, of course. Y'all are conscientious human beings. <clears throat> uh, but you know what I mean. The internet can be a, a, a brutal place. Uh, so uh, hopefully both guys uh, bounce back, even though Minner won. Randy Costa with an excellent knockout over Journey Newson. Um, set it up beautifully. I wasn't confident for a reason and a uh, good thing. Huh? Um because Costa came through, and I should have picked him anyways because I was just sold from uh, Philippe's uh, interview from the fight site. Got a guy that does such excellent work. Uh, shouts to the fight site. Got my crew neck sweating. Um, yeah, uh, Andre Uhl defeated Irwin Rivera. Split decision. Again, you know, Uhl looked better and improved, but, you know, still slowing down in the... Uh, Still slowing down in the third round, so we'll see. Tyson Nam defeated Jerome Rivera via second round TKO. Uh, good on Nam, man. Happy to see him get the win there. All right, what does that time do? Is 18 minutes not too bad? I'm going to be jumping over to UFC 253 right meow. And um, we're going to go from top to bottom. Uh, top two fights did in-depth breakdowns over at MMAJunkie.com with the videos and the writtens you can check out there. And went over these with the man. Thanks. Shout out to James Lynch who filled out for, uh, filled in for the normal host, Dan Levy, for the Line Movement MMA betting show as me and James went through uh, some key fights. Make sure you check that out. Subscribe to the Line Movement channel as well as my betting article, which dropped down, uh, where I break down some betting angles on these fights. Hopefully I remember to cite those same lines. I always cite the lines, recommendations, and write it all down for you. Nice and clean, short and sweet, over at linemovement.com. Every fight week, which is pretty much every week, right? Um, so, yeah, a lot of content for me that you'll probably be almost as sick as me as uh, I am of me. Some, you know. So, uh, let's go. Israel to sign you the sitting champ, minus 175. Come back on Paulo Costa, plus 155. Uh, line is getting a bit wider to where I, I uh, to where I would have placed it. Um, opened it, of course, at minus 140. So giving a lot of respect for Costa as an underdog, which is a bit surprising, uh, though not unwarranted. Co- Co- 
Costa's a live dog. He could certainly upset and win, and uh, none of us should be surprised. But again, man, it's like these, you know, if the Contender Series hasn't already taught us a lesson, we should have already known better with, you know, first-round fighters, and not that Costa is a first-round fighter. He is more than your normal bully or one-round bully. However, he's only been to the first or the third round once, which was his last fight. And a fight you could argue he lost. I scored it against him. Wasn't a robbery. Wasn't a sham in any sense. Um, but, uh, yeah, I edged the last two rounds for Romero. But I figured that Romero, both his choice to counter on the outside, which we know how judges score so accurately when and fairly when it comes to that, as well as body language, like sticking out your tongue, and something I've always went over, whether you're doing something dirty, weird, stupid, or somewhere in the realm of all three, which is Yoel Romero. Judges will go, oh, this cocky guy in a close round. I'm going to give it to the more traditional guy who come forward, or whatever, justification metric. You know, um, we see these things happen all the time. So um, not hung up, not crying over spilled milk, but it is worth mentioning. I mean, that's the one th- third round you've been to, the one decision you've had in your entire pro career. Yes, you've went on decision to, to decision. Um, and the closest Co- Costa is ever going to experience a pandemic environment, which was tough Brazil three. However, he lost a split decision there uh, to um, uh, to uh, Marcio Alessandre, uh, welterweight, southpaw, uh, which is worth noting. Uh, you know, and uh, yes, you know, Costa's a different fighter. Uh, his gas tank has gotten better, but again, even in his most recent fight, still sl- showed to slow down. And as we'll talk about southpaw stances and southpaw strikes, that counter cross that popped him on his butt against uh, Alexandre or popped him back at the very least multiple times, that's consistently hit him. Even guys who aren't that great like uh, Ali Wale Bombose or Gareth McClellan, if you throw, you can hit. Um, his corralling footwork, his feints, his rhythm changes, the way he goes to the body, it's all beautiful. It should not be overlooked. Things that people are only now emphasizing when your boy here, if you've been listening to this podcast or reading my writing, I've been talking about this since before Costa got on the scene or before his debut, um, looking at his jungle fights. And uh, so, uh, again, I'm not writing this guy off or being dismissive when I'm saying that I'm surprised the line opened as close as it did. Uh, But when you go back and look at the footage, he does all those things, but defense is not necessarily one of them. I mean, even undersized, uh, washed middleweights, washed middleweights, shout out to Wes Colvin there, on their way out like Johnny Hendricks or guys who weren't even southpaws like Uriah Hall. When Uriah Hall switched to southpaw, was able to hit that counter hook uh, that arguably hurt Costa more than anybody in his UFC tenure. Um, And Johnny Hendricks, even though he lost that fight, was hitting Costa with some regularity. That's not even mentioning the jab that... uh, Uriah Hall was hitting Costa with bringing up Uriah Hall because even though he's uh, orthodox, he will switch stances like Adesanya. And like Adesanya has a very similar to one inch uh, within reach differential. Of course, he is at 79 inches, whereas Adesanya is at 80. And Costa, of course, sits at 82. Uh, I messed up and, you know, again, I'm, I'm only, you know... So dangerous to do racial jokes. I'm I'm I'm, I'm Asian folk, part Asian folks relax. But I'm only half Asian, so you know I'm not that great at math. And uh, I think I said ten inch differential, and it, clearly it is an eight inch differential. But you know how us guys are when we talk about inches. We always add a few. Wow, Dan, you're making racist jokes and dick jokes. Wow, you're really really driving listenership today. 
All right. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, it, it is a, there's a Reese differential. Wow, Dan, you really, really took the long way to bridge those two things. All right. Uh, as I scrape the brushes off me, if getting dirty and going off the trail. Uh, that's something to watch out for here, you know. And again, I'm not a big reach guy. I'm not a big stats guy. And like I was telling my man James Lynch, who is one amongst many who uses stats appropriately, don't think I'm coming at you. I just I'm very careful. I think we do that a little too much. I know my man Sean Sheehan shouts to him, uh, goes crazy over there along with myself whenever those uh, stats are cited or shown on the screen. And it's not the broadcaster's fault. It's production doing it. They have to acknowledge it. No, uh, no problem there. But it just does suck, though, knowing that the audience is going to interpret those, like who's winning the fight, when those numbers aren't even official the night of, folks. In other words, they're not accurate. And B, even if they were, they don't indicate the story of the fight. Uh, so you you, you got to be careful with numbers and statistics in a traditional sense. However, as... Uh, Fightnomics Reed pointed out, uh, six inches is about the, uh, you know, the, uh, Dan, stay on target. <laughs> six inches is about the average where you want to want to start worrying about it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> and be careful, I'm going to set off my phone again, by the way. As far as I didn't hear more from y'all about me setting off my, that Siri, that was genuinely funny to me and genuinely took me by surprise that uh, my phone's sitting there calling me out for my dirty talk. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and my my dick analogies. <laughs> Dan, this is your fourth dick analogy of the hour. Are you okay? Siri, shut up. Um, yeah, but uh, so I don't know, man. I'm I'm, I'm thinking Adesanya can survive any scarcities, but it's like potential adjustments. I wrote my breakdown. Um, we could see Paulo Costa return to his base. He is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Um, in that tough run, you'll actually see him using his pressure fighting. He's still throwing heavy shots, folks, but he is working to get kind of cage pressure, takedowns, uh, top position, and put guys out that way. Uh, he does a lot in his jungle fight career as well. Obviously, he's been trending in, uh, to uh, almost like what would be a full-fledged striker as far as his USC career thus far has gone, but he does have those skills in his back pocket. Does he go to them? It makes sense stylistically, but Adesanya... It appears to be harder, harder to take down. He's been treating the fence like it is an electric fence, which is good uh, for the pressuring and corralling punches. But also, yes, for the takedowns, we're seeing Adesanya separate much faster now. Um, so he's going to have to keep that in mind with Costa. And Costa, with that in mind, is he going to want to conserve his gas tank? Again, he hasn't been five rounds. You're going to grapple? I mean, we even see it with wrestlers. They've been, they grew up wrestling. They should be able to keep... No, that's bullshit. Grappling is more tiring than striking generally, even for the guy who grew up grappling, especially in MMA where you have to worry about everything all the time. So um, I don't know if Costa goes that route. You know, uh, there's a little bit of unfounded hypothesis, but... He does have uh, tools, and you know he comes from a smart game plan uh, uh, camp who game plans well with Eric Albasin. So do we see him with more of like maybe like I referenced in my breakdown a Justin Gaethje, Tony Ferguson style breakdown? He's already got leg kicks, lethal leg kicks, and left hooks. Costa does, especially check hooks. It's a really underrated weapon of his. Um, does he do that? Does he stalk and play the counter game and just wait for Adesanya and just pick his legs up? Uh, range and you know on the outs go low and come up high to punctuate exchanges with counters um and you know in a perfect world of course that that sounds like a great plan but who knows if he can and we or will and wants to do it um 
So for that reason, I think this will be drawn out to a longer fight where uh, Adesanya will be able to find those shots. And uh, I think he gets the stoppage in the fourth round, which seems to be the popular pick of a round. But it's just the one where a lot of us are probably landing on for, for good reason when you look at it on paper. Again, these fights aren't on, on paper. they got to go do it for real. So let's see where it ends up. Um, like I said in my betting article, you know, the, the, whether you agree with the line or not, regardless of what side you're on or not, uh, you, you, I like this line and matchup because it's an interesting matchup narrative-wise, interesting matchup style-wise. And from a betting angle, it's like uh, it's like... You know, it's like uh, it's like the the popular ride at the fair. You know, uh, the, the the price of entry it appeals to many audiences, and the price of entry is real cheap if you even if you want to get in it on the chalk side. Uh, however, uh, people who who tend to jinx lines may or may not be on the Zadasanya side, so be careful there. Um, which I might have to take my own advice because, like, I, I really don't like a lot on this card, uh, but. I don't know. I don't blame you for playing Costa either. Live betting, if you're a live better, may be something worth looking at, depending on the line listings. Um, you know, as it goes through, as you get to the ends of rounds one and two. But uh, outside of that, good luck. Uh, I'm staying away from over and unders and all that jazz. Next fight, title fight interim, light heavyweight title fight. Dominic Reyes minus 270. Uh, Jan Blakovic. Uh, plus 230. You guys know I'm a big fan of Blockowicz. He's done me well before, albeit I didn't pick him last time as a dog, but I always do respect him as the dog. However, I get this line here. I don't disagree, and I'm picking Reyes. Um, despite Blockowicz technically being 2-0 against UFC-level lefties, those came against Goran Relic against his la- in his last KSW fight. Of course, you guys know Goran Relic, right? UFC 84, ill will fame there, one of my f- favorite cards. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, and of course, Luke Rockhold, both guys toward the end of their careers, especially Goran. Um, so, uh, you know, and, and much different strikers and, and none of them are, uh, more kicks than they are punches, which is where Dominic Reyes, I think the speed is really going to accentuate himself at Southpaw boxing range. Um, and again, despite going two and oh against UFC level lefties block of which last time he lost, last time he lost, he was knocked out. And it was by Tiago Santos, who is an orthodox fighter, but switches often to Southpaw where he has some of his best shots, which is mainly his liver kick or head kick. However, when he finished block, which it was from a Southpaw with that old check right hook, the old shot you should never leave home without from that stance. And uh, so... The Southpaw shots could be potent, and that's kind of what I see. In fact, I hate picking things because it feels so goddamn disrespectful. Pardon my using the Lord's name in vain. But, um, you know, it seems so disrespectful, but I feel like this could be one of those almost, dare say, anticlimactic early finishes where, where just Reyes goes in there and ices him, you know? Kind of like what, what, what Corey Anderson had. Um, I think Blockwich is going to have to wear that hat this time around. Um. You know, we'll we'll see with Reyes' attitude. One thing that's that's interesting to note, and I just got done listening to an interview. It became much more apparent. Just got listening to uh, his interview with Aaron on the TSN MMA show. But uh, before that, uh, popped into some MMA roadshow. And uh, shout out to Kenny and John, or I should say John and Oscar Willis from the Mac Life uh, over there in Abu Dhabi on site. Uh, shouts to those guys and that podcast. But they brought up a point that I almost forgot, you know, joking or we'll bring up the OVs and the, the suspect scorecards and all these these trends that we were looking for. But I forgot about the trend of the time difference and how 
a lot of the first fights of the night were very slow. Um, a lot of them went to decision when they maybe shouldn't have, and that was definitely an angle to play, right? Um, and uh, so, you know, COVID is less of a problem with the protocols, uh, being that, you know, the UFC is getting help from the Abu Dhabi government there. Uh, uh, so we're, we hopefully, will knock on wood, we'll see another good track record for them this time around. However, like like John said on the podcast, uh, Mr. Morgan there said that watch out for fighters who are sleepy, whether it's their social media interviews, etc. If their 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 sleep zones are off, that is the number one culprit. And um, they said it, but now that I think about it, and I've listened to some since, yeah, like everything I've heard Reyes and since he's been there, this dude sounds freaking dead tired. Um, whereas other guys like uh, Hakeem Dewodu, who we'll get to in a second. Um, sound really, uh, sound like actually really like they're doing really well uh, in multiple ways, and I'll, I'll save that for that breakdown. Um, so so yeah, that's something to look out for here with Reyes. I think that could be his biggest factor here. No offense to Blakovich, um, who's you know he's 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 got power himself. He's got counter returns of uppercut hooks and. Underrated wrestling that he's worked a lot on. He's the higher-ranked guy, the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, but I don't think the wrestling is as good as Reyes as far as offense to defense and how that puzzle piece connects. So I suspect unless someone is seriously hurt, this fight stays and is decided uh, on the feet. Um, and again, I'm, I know it's weird. I don't do it often, and it feels so disrespectful. But I am, I am picking by a first-round knockout for Reyes. Um, Blockwitch is tough and could hang tough, and this this fight does go over the 2.5 mark, folks. It'll get dicey. However, I don't think it goes over the 2.5 mark, and in fact, since I'm technically, officially, picking for a first-round finish, I feel like I kind of got a sprinkle on the under 2.5 at plus 110 out of principle there. Um, so for what that's worth to y'all... Uh, you can also take Reyes if you don't like him as the parlay piece, which I feel like he's one of the few parlay pieces in a card where most chalk feels like trap, to be honest. And this could be end up being trapped too. Who knows, right? But uh, Reyes inside the distance, minus 110. Um, I don't know if it shifted, I should say, because I actually got it at minus 105. And by TKO slash KO is what I was originally looking at was minus 110. Uh, and it's just the odds will do that sometimes. It'll be weird where the uh, the prop that gives you more coverage is cheaper or pays more, So it's which is silly. Not by much, a nickel, but still, out of principle and a low entry point, I pulled the trigger. All right, um, next you got uh, Kai Car France, minus 240, Brandon Royville, plus 200. Again, full disclosure, like I said on the Line Movement MMA betting show, I started the week. When I had to submit my early pick there for Kai Car France leaning his way, but this was a fight I reserved my right to change, and I ended up siding the same way as my man James Lynch there uh, did on uh, his show Octagon Outlook, which you should check, you should check out and make part of your fight week ritual. Um, <clears throat> yeah, man, uh, I've again no shade to Kai Car France or City Kickboxing. I like him and all them, although he did you know say some not so nice things about Curlin. Uh, Krillin is the shit, uh, and it made me go look at some Krillin, funny Krillin memes. Krillin dies all the time. Like, who cares? <laughs> Krillin is the most powerful human. He's got he, he, Krillin. You got an android pregnant. I mean, what is it? What the hell is that guy packing? Right. 
Come on, Kaikara. Uh, but no, um, you know, my problem with Kaikara France is that arguable skill inflation aside, like, you know, the fact that for me and many, maybe the, and it's not his fault, man. People probably hyped him up too much. Um, it just never matched with me from what I, I saw, even though he's a super talented dude, obviously. Kick my ass, obviously. Um, but like, man, out of principle, I don't like and kind of have to fade any flyweight or even bantamweight who gasses. Like that shouldn't, even in a regional level, much less UFC, you should be able to fulfill the stereotype of that weight class by going nonstop. Um, and in Kaikara France's defense, he showed a better place pacing his last time out, but that was against Tyson Nam, who is notoriously slow paced. And Nam, who is, I'm glad he's doing well, but like, it's not like he beat the most experienced guys in his last two victories. I'm not trying to shit on his wins there. And in Nam's defense, slash also to help my point here, you could really argue that guys like Sergio Pettis or Kaikara France are pretty much the two worst matchups in his division as far as stylistic kryptonite, potential point fighting, stick and move fighters. Um, so I don't know. In other words, not trying to be rude, but I just don't know how much stock we could put into that. Then you look at it, you know, his fights and not just going back and going revisionist history. Look, he lost a random Chinese guy number seven, you know, or whatever, like, uh, uh, you know, um, but like, <clears throat> sorry, lost train of thought. Don't get hit in the head, folks. Um, but like, even go back to the last time in the UFC, uh, in Holly and Paiva, last time he fought a tall flyweight who kicks. Uh, he arguably lost that fight, you know. Um, I and he did in my books. I thought Paiva, Paiva did the more damaging shots, particularly toward the body, which is another an explanation, but also worry as far as why Kaikara France is gassing. Is he weak to the body as well? Because he was getting hurt there awful lot. And Royville, who's a tricky southpaw, will have that liver side open. Royville is really good at kicking. He's got a lot of good uh, training partners who kick. He's got a good par training partner now who will help balancing him out in the wrestling and boxing department. And Alex Perez, who is one of my favorites, who just relocated down there. <coughs> Excuse me, at Factory X. Um, and uh, I even like Royville's hands and, and, and swagger. Yeah, he'll give takedowns too easily, but I think Kaikara France will be doing him a favor if he digs into his wrestling uh, background there. That's right, Kaikara France. I know New Zealand not known for its wrestling, but yes, the guy does have grappling and wrestling credentials for those who aren't familiar. Um, so does Royville's pressure kind of force those shots out? And if he does, he's in a literally M60 machine gun of bullet chain submissions. Pop, 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 one after the other. That's the kind of guy Royville is. He is a legit Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Um, so I felt like plus 140 was fair. And once I did my tape study, I would like to think, again, I did the caveat it stated, um, uh, you know, you know, uh, to try, to try not to be influenced and to kind of state my case ahead of time. So I would like to think that I would have ended up on Royville anyways, but as far as a play, when you go from plus 140 to plus 200, probably going to go north uh, by the time fight day comes around. I feel like that constitutes a play in my book. So Brandon, Royville at plus 200. Uh, not to get anticlimactic, is my my only straight play I'm recommending officially here on this podcast. Um 
at least what well, I'll be taking. You don't got to follow me off the cliff here. But, yeah, I think he can either win a competitive decision or a late finish is my guess. Next fight, Caitlin Vieta, minus 185. Sarge Eubanks, plus 160. Again, I'm echoing what you guys are all saying. Sarge is an underdog again, and like most of you guys, I probably have overlooked her, and she's been criminally overlooked by odds makers, pundits, and all alike. She is one of the fighters who legitimately could have that claim. This girl's never been stopped or submitted. She's not just a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. She is a, you know, champion, uh, technically, and she is experienced and athletic and has improved her pace over the last few fights uh, since working with Mark Henry now, uh, killing that stereotype of hers. So, like, yeah, what the heck, right? However, as the line has already been bet over a dollar in tighter, which I don't blame and totally get, uh, it makes me less confident to, to uh, for one, I'm not picking her. I'm picking Caitlin Vieta here. But to even, you know, say, oh, she's a live dog, or oh, I don't blame you for sprinkling this is just going to be on my avoid list straight up. Not saying you have to avoid it. If you feel strongly either way, go for it. I think Caitlin Vieira is going to win this, though. Um, she is much more physical, has much more credentials, and much more process than Julia Viola, who I thought was going to win against Eubanks as well, albeit not as confidently, though admittedly thought she would still roll. Uh, Vieta has that both judo, jiu-jitsu, and wrestling again. Uh, another region where it's like not known for its wrestling, but it's good to see these things. It means they do that, and it comes in handy in fights like these. Uh, also, it looks like Vieta has been getting some hard sparring in, as they do down there in Brazil. She's got uh, bodies, both female and male, to work with. It looks like she's been active. She's been training heavy. Uh, so um, I expect she comes in here in pretty good shape, but like, yeah, she's coming off of a knockout loss, right? I don't underrate Arina Aldana, so I'm not condemning Vieta for that, but that is worrisome. However, even though Sarge does hit hard and can take a shot, man, she's been taking a lot of shots and has been really busy. It's going to be her third fight within four months. She's literally just coming off of two weeks or a week, two weeks or whatever of a freaking heavy scrap. Um, that doesn't make me comfortable, so I'll pick Vieta, but this is a avoid. All right, next fight, Zubaira. Tuhugov, um, minus 140, Hakeem Dawodu, plus 120. Again, like I told uh, my man Curran there from from uh, sh from uh, Squares and Sharps that, you know, or Sharps and Squares, I apologize. I'm going to share that link when it comes out, that episode. But this is like a rubber band fight because it's so interesting. A rubber band betting line, I should say, because the fight is so interesting. And I was really interested in this one. Uh, ended up siding with Tuhugov, and uh, after I did the tape, I ended up keeping my pick as so, um, because, uh, again, Tuhugov's got an underrated left hand, something um, I was talking about before last fight and what happened. Got that left-handed uh, KO, folks. Um, and whereas Duodu, even though I was wrong about Duodu when I took a flyer against Hortier, Hortier shot. Hortier is like Scottish Hortier. Hortier. Yes, Dominicato, you bastard. How about that, Sean Connery? Uh, speaking Japanese and Rising Sun. Dan, that movie was 30 years old. Get to the breakdown. Sorry, you know me, pushing pushing listenership with my timely references. I took a shot against Duodu against Hortier. Uh, but, you know, in my defense, what did I say? Hortier's in and out um, styling and left hand was going to have effect. And yes, Duodu won, but... The fact is, Duodu got hit multiple times with that left hand, dropped multiple times with the left hand, 
frustrated multiple times with the left hand by a guy he ended up beating and probably should have beaten, sure. Although you're going to give me near plus four to one odds, I was going to take that shot. Um, but the fact is, that guy got away with it uh, to a certain extent without winning, but you know was able to, to steal on him a bit. What happens when a bigger, more powerful guy does that? Speaking of bigger, more powerful guys, Jorge, Japanese guy not that big in the first place, doesn't really believe in the cutting weight, should probably be fighting at 135. Arce was a natural 135er. Those were his last two wins on the last two opponents. So now he's getting a, an athletic, and not the biggest 145, but Zubairo Tukugov is a good size and athletic 145-pounder. He better be if he's one of Khabib Nurmagomedov's main training partners uh, who will be in his corner as well as Islam Makhachev. So it'll be interesting to see if Zubair Tuhugov gets back to his grappling. Another reason why I'm picking him here to have that wrestling advantage. However, Dewodu, I don't even want to give him shit because he's like, he is coming off so awesome, speaking so well. I hate, what, don't, Dan, did you really just do the speak so well? Oh, he speaks so well. He speaks so well, uh, which is kind of kind of racist. Like It's like the explosive thing. Uh, but what I mean is if you look at, like, Akeem beforehand, he's usually reserved and, I'm going to be mean in case you didn't know. Like, we know. Uh, you know, but, like, he's, like, he's got, like, he's coming out here. He's, like, um, I don't know, man. It's just... Coming off very, not that he was unlikable or anything, but like he's coming off very likable and uh, speaking his mind. And, uh, you know, he seems to be coming in a good place. His weight is down. Uh, you know, he's been training during uh, COVID. Uh, so he's been in shape and it's shown so because he came into this fight week very light. Um, he sounds in great spirits that he's not BSing. You know, I know fighters will say everything's great and you can't believe him, sure, but. You know, when he was talking to Aaron Bronstetter on the TSN MMA show, he sounded like his sleep schedule is adjusted accordingly. I like where his mindset's at. Um, he's already, you know, uh, killed those stereotypes of like, oh, he's an explosive striker. He's going to, like, no, he's not like Tyron Woodley, folks. His, his pace actually is shown to pick up. Uh, even though I'm worried about takedowns from the clinch, he's a really good striking game from the clinch that I love. Uh, so if you were playing Hakeem Dewodu, especially since the line is going back down to earth, I was worried if the line was going to flip, maybe I would play Tuhugov. I'm going to stick to my pick in Tuhugov, but I, I am not playing this one. Uh, I feel like this is definitely a dog or pass situation. So good luck to you if you're in the dog in Dewodu. I think there's a lot of good signs going your way, like I mentioned, from the intangibles and whatnot, uh, as well as the fact that Tuhugov does tend to slow down and gas. And if he is going to go against a, a striker who's going to make him try to take him down and use his wrestling, he could get tired if he doesn't, you know, if he's not able to submit or put uh, Duodu away. Um, that being said, another reason why I ultimately didn't change my pick, though, and why I'm ultimately still not going to play, even though the value is in the dog, is because we've seen it before, folks. Um, suspect scorecards for certain fighters, whether they've got the OV or they're the team Ahmad, not that Zubaira is, but you know, very powerful strings attached. Maybe something can happen to the scorecards. Uh, you never know, because uh, you go look at the last uh, fight Island card, like the Salikov, um Zaleski decisions and other ones, right? There was, there was a bunch of those weird, a lot of weird scorecards there. So uh, Tuhugov uh, fits that bill for me, so I ended up picking him. Good luck to ya. Brad Radale High Riddle. Uh Riddell. 
minus 340, Alex De Silva plus 280. Kind of surprised to see this line this wide. Alex De Silva's a young kid that could get better. Athletic comes from that Aspera FC fight scene that Darren Till came from when he was in Brazil. Luto Livre background, which is more synonymous with catch wrestling than it is jujitsu. Speaking of Darren Till, he also comes from that Luto Livre background. Uh, but that being said, I really liked what I saw from uh, Brad Riddell, which is why I picked him to beat um, Anton Chigurh, uh, uh, a.k.a. Magomed Mustafaez, a.k.a. Javier Bardin, no country for old Magomedovs. Um, but, like, he because uh, he shows really good uh, counter-wrestling, you know? He's got that strong back. He's a really big, you know, fought at middleweight at kickboxing, so he's a really big lightweight. He's got a built back, but also a really good base. Knows how to fight from turtle, which is important. Uh, hoist with underhooks. Got some wrestling savvy. Will hit takedowns of his own. Doesn't look lost, even from like half guard or scrambling in from transitions. And yes, he is a striker at the end of the day. And a heavy-handed and consistent one at that. Um, so I will definitely pick uh, Riddell to either get a decision or perhaps a finish. But... um. He is a, one of the chalk pieces I trust. I just don't like the price uh, for what that's worth. So I'll probably still end up taking a bite, of, a chalky bite there. I don't know what I'm going to pair him with. Uh, spoiler alert, I don't have any strong parlay recommendations for you guys today. But I will give you my feelings uh, when they pop up in that regard. So that is it. Jake Matthews minus 750. Uh, Diego Sanchez plus 525. Um, I like Matthews here. I'm going to pick him. Could get the win via TKO if he comes out and like shows like uh, fucking mutant sh- drank the ooze from Shredder Sauce. Uh, Jake Matthews that he showed against Li Lang Li Jing Liang, right? That version when he first popped up to welterweight there. Uh, however, this probably goes to the decision, right? Because Sanchez's durability. Um, I was talking to James Lynch about this, about looking for that Jake Matthews decision prop. I, I had to agree with him there after uh, kind of parsing it out and talking to him about it allowed uh so be sure to check that out but yeah i think matthews probably later you want to look for over uh decision props or tko props if you really think he's going to get it but i don't know about that i think more decisions or overs are probably the uh way to look for that fight um i don't blame anybody i guess because the line keeps growing but he still got joshua fabia in there in the corner that's going to keep me away from any diego plays even at big dog odds and um yeah, he's got Stefan Bonner there, but let's just say I don't know how stable that guy is. Hey, Diego, can't be hogging the asparagus there, Diego. Come on. Terrible Chicago Bonner accent there. Um, But, yeah, I'll go. Matthews, Jake Matthews, Matthews. Come on, Matthews. Wow, Dan, let's follow up a terrible Chicago accent with a terrible Australian one. Shane Young, minus 105. Uh, he was the favorite. But uh, Ludwig Klein, minus 115, now your favorite, despite opening at plus 125. Um, That's kind of surprising considering it's a short-notice fight. But when I went to go look at Klein, this guy looks for real, man. He's a southpaw who can strike. He's a Slavic who comes from a back, a boxing base. But he can kick and strike in combination incredibly well. Fainting, putting things together, working in space. Shows decent takedown defense and some MMA wherewithal, albeit no grappling credentials that he lists on his bio. But, you know, watching some of his more recent fights, 
Uh, he shows some competency against the cage with underhooks. We'll see how he is against more competent fighters. I'm going to pick Shane Young for that reason because Shane will roll under his crosses. He's got deep, good defenses. He just has to be careful not to dip into that southpaw zone. Haven't seen him against enough southpaws to make that decision. Uh, however, I do like his head movement and that he parlays it into takedowns. His wrestling against the cage I think is good enough to give a guy pause who has barely been to the distance. Granted, he has gotten third-round finishes and as recently as his second-to-last fight, that is Klein. However, experience both on paper, who he's fought, uh, amalgamations of styles and results going to decision, that's all in Shane Young's category. So I'm going to pick Young, but uh, I would have, uh, even if it would have, uh, he would have stayed a, a clear favorite, um, I probably would have stayed away from it, respecting this Klein guy. But Shane Young, man, he's got that eye. He looks like he's got that island chin. He's never been stopped. Uh, or submitted, um, so uh, I really and I'm also really love Shane Young. It's probably gonna play in here. He's just so aware of the mental health and seems like such a good fucking dude, a genuine guy who fights with his heart on his sleeve. You know, Dan Tom's gonna root for a guy like that, so I'll pick him. I'm not gonna play it unless this line keeps spinning uh, and trending to the way of a plus number by Shane Young. Then I feel like I'm gonna have to sprinkle on Shane Young. Out of principle there. Um, Alexa Kamor, uh, who looks like... Uh, I, I don't want to almost have said the R word. Um, he looks like uh, a special Frank Mir uh, face, let's just say. Uh, against... Uh, it's all right, baby. Shout out to uh, the MMA analysis for this one. Against Thick Willie. William Knight, the thickness, plus 145 for all the thickness you can handle. Jesus, Dan, what the fuck was that about? This is kind of a, kind of a breakdown, is this? Uh, sorry, Dan Tom's getting excited here. Uh, oh, Jesus, easy. Uh, Alexa Kamor, he looks like the dude who's like in that like lawless movie, like those bootleg, like, you know, moonshine movies. Like he's got, you know, the, between the haircut. Like he looks like he's, he looks like he's, he's, he plays like the muscle. Uh, of one of the you know the, the bootlegging bootlegging gangs going to sell slang during the prohibition era, you know. Hey, I want you go. Why don't you go send Kamer over there? And he just looks okay. I'm gonna go over there. And he, he gets killed doing something stupid early like that. He looks like that character in the movie. Wow, Dan, that's a really random reference. That has nothing to do with this breakdown. It's late, folks. Back to doing these late night. You get delirious, Dan Tom. Uh, but um, yeah, man, I'm actually gonna take Thick Willie here. Uh, yes, because his name is Thick Willie. But also, I don't trust Kamor from what I saw the Contender Series to that turnaround against uh, Fat Game Bread Masvidal, Justin Ledette. Uh, you got to watch that fight to get that reference. Um, I, I don't trust that. And William Knight's a guy that comes back from adversity, man. I mean, the only guy he lost to was just another ridiculously thick, you know, athletic dude. That's kind of racist, Dan. Uh, but it's true. He was thick and athletic looking. Um, but yeah, man, I think Thick Willie, uh, I think Thick Willie can take this. I think he can survive some bad positions. And like, if Alexa Kamor does the low volume approach and starts like cage pressing, like he's got some good offense and elbows against the fence, Kamor does. But I feel like you're just going to be invite, like you're going to be turning Thick Willie on, which is not something you want to do, believe me. Whether you're, <laughs> you're a man or a woman, even for some hurting afterwards. Jesus, Dan, come on. Uh, but I'm just saying, I think Thick Willie. <laughs> I think he can, uh, by the way, I'm going to pull up, you know, you know, I always love to read the, uh, you know, reading the profiles is something I've been sharing with you guys because it's kind of funny when you read some of this uh, shish aloud here, um, but I'll read you Thick Willies. 
And by the way, it's not listed on here, but I remember like his um, contender series bio. Like he fixes uh, civics. Like everything that they're like saying. Like like uh, William said, if there's anything to do to a Honda Civic, he's done it. And of course, you know my sick brain. I'm like thinking of like, how wide is that exhaust pipe? Can it fit in there? Jesus, Dan, come on. But then another part of me is like, of course he fixes. Of course he's like got a lot of experience fixing up civics like dude are you kidding me like look at all that muscle and hog that thick willie must be toting around you're telling me that a four cylinder is going to carry that thing around <laughs> no sir like no four cylinder stock is is, is toting around all that <laughs> hog <laughs> and muscle i mean can you imagine i mean you gotta i mean you put a guy like thick willie in a civic i mean you gotta at least do suspension right uh, suspension, some headers, maybe uh, maybe some intake exhaust, like uh, by bare minimum. I mean, the guy's got to get around, poor dude. Fucking, it's got to tote all around that meat. Uh, Jesus, Dan, what kind of breakdown did we turn into? I swear this guy could break down fights. Uh, <laughs> stay with it, stay on target. I'm sorry, folks. Blame the blame people like Brad Taschuk for um, fueling these terrible sense of humor and sensibilities. Imagine William might listen to this like, this is MMA Junkies Analyst. This guy just keeps talking about my dick. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, God, Dan. Let me pull this up so I can read it and move on before I dig myself any further down this uh, thick willy hole. Um, Jesus, that sounded wrong. Uh, here, let me see. It says, um, here we go. Oh, yeah, I guess. What does it mean for you to fight into the UFC? William, thick willy says. To be established, take care of my family, and use this platform to put Connecticut on the map. Like, who is, who is putting Connecticut on the map? <laughs> you might as well have said Delaware. I probably was that Wayne's World scene where they go in, Delaware, because it's Delaware. <laughs> I was like, I was like reading that the setup, and I'm like, okay, all right, this is getting good, and it's going to put Connecticut on the map. All right. That's what we're using the platform for. Okay. And then, uh, by the way, what was your job before you started fighting? Maintenance. Uh, he also did automotive tech school. Again, fixing up the civics. Got to tote, tote, you know, just got to soup that thing up. But he also says merchandise handler, which you can, you, you, you pretty much get where. Dan, I mean, come on. Can we cut it off at 30 dick jokes for one William Knight fight? All right. We're going to move on. Pick his thick willy. Don't jump off the cliff. Jesus, Dan. What the hell was that? Wait a... Boy, we're really progressing. I wonder why listenership is so great on the show. <laughs> Juan Espino minus 300. Jeff Hughes plus 250. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know about this, man. Like, I'm just going to go ahead and pick pick Jeff Hughes. It's going to be an ugly fight that I don't recommend you betting or watching. But he is... You know, training with Alexa came more for this fight, and um, you know, he's uh, what do you call? Um, yeah, I think I don't know. I, I I think I don't know. I think he can he can go against the cage and make it ugly. Who knows? You know, Juan Espino's got the wrestling in his background, but like the layoff, his age, and his late thirties. Um, who knows? So I'm gonna. Yeah, I'll pick I'll pick uh Mr. Hughes uh for that one. Um next fight here. Kadis Ibragamov minus one fifty five. Danilo Marquez plus one thirty five. 
full disclosure, did not watch any footage on Marquez, and I am picking him uh, because he comes from Damian Maya's school. He's older. He doesn't face anybody very good, but he's been doing martial arts all his life, and uh, Bragamoff just looks like a big fade uh, with him and his... Uh, him and his uh, grunts that he did as against the cage when he tries hard for takedowns. It sounds like the uh, Jurassic Park Dinosaur Hunter when the Dinosaur Hunter gets killed by the Raptor. You know, my timely references of games that are 26 years old. Ew! <laughs> that is Bragamoff for you. Um, he will do random-ish like that. So uh, I'm going to go pick against him here. Full disclosure, did not even look at that fight as that is on the avoid list as well as uh, Night, Night Cammer and uh, Vieira Eubanks. Um... <laughs> God damn it. I apologize for that thick Willie breakdown and whoever defended. How do we do on time, Dan? Uh, one hour, not bad. I mean, I didn't promise an expedited version, and I'm getting this out technically earlier. So let's recap, shall we? Taking Israel Adesanya over Paulo Costa. Taking Dominic Reyes over Jan Blakovic. Taking Brandon Royval over Kaikara France. Taking Ketlin Vieira over Sajara Eubanks. Taking Hakeem Duwadu. It's not your fault, Will. Oh, no, I'm not taking Hakeem Duwadu. Sorry, I'm taking Zubaira Tuhugov over Hakeem Duwadu. Sorry, Duwadu, it's not your fault. Taking Brad Radel High Riddell over Alex Da Silva. Taking Jake Matthews over Diego Sanchez. Taking Shane Young over Ludovic Klein. Taking Thick Willie, the thickness. Easy Dan over Alexa Kane, Frank Mirface Kamer. Taking Jeff Hughes over Juan Espino. Taking Danilo Marquez over Cadiz Ibragimov. Uh, no parlays to really recommend. Yeah, took a straight play. Royville plus 200 for a unit. Uh, props. Uh, Reyes Blockwich under 2.5 plus 110. Took a sprinkle on that. Also sprinkled on Reyes inside the distance at minus 105. Um, avoidless, uh, Thick Willie versus Kamer, because I pretty much just talked about Thick Willie's thickness the whole time. Uh, Ibrahimov Marquez, because, yeah, uh, and Vieira Eubanks, because, yeah. Oh, Jesus. Uh, thank you guys for, uh, listening. I don't know why you would, but thank you. Um, if you want to support the show again, go to MixedMartialAnalyst.com. Please click through the Amazon or Onnit banner, uh, banners uh, to do your shopping. It, it doesn't uh, cost you an extra dime, just an extra click. All proceeds go back to this here podcast to help support it. Or use that PayPal link on the top right. Uh, if you just want to donate a couple bucks straight up to help keep this show free, that has been free and will remain free and clear and steering the course. So thank you very much for that, as well as the five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. And please, please, please. Help share this show. Help share my channel on YouTube. Daniel Tom MMA. Going to change Dan Tom MMA eventually. Could help. Subscribe. Like this video if you dig the breakdown. Good luck on your picks and plays this weekend. And always protect your neck.